Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. Yeah, Joel, we've got some great listener questions that we're going to get to today. We're going to talk about paying off a 0% interest credit card. We're going to discuss how much you should set aside in your emergency fund for some housing repairs. And we're also going to cover what to do uh, when inheriting a 401k. Plus, we've got two other listener questions that'll just be a surprise. Yeah, surprise <laughs> listener questions. Yeah, Matt, before we get into the actual questions, I'm, I'm completely fascinated by kind of something new-ish happening in the housing market. And they're called virtual appraisals or desktop appraisals. I've heard of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and like, I love it because I don't know about you. Have you ever been burned by an appraisal before where you knew or really, really strongly believed that your house was worth something? And then the appraiser came in and was like, yeah, it's worth 70000 less than that. I do feel that way, specifically when it came to a refinance that I was doing. And I thought that the house was definitely worth more than what he said it was. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that the backyard was thatched, like it was covered in hay. <laughs> okay. And so it looked kind of run down. I'm like, dude, imagine if that was instead a beautiful green backyard. Lush green yard. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he was letting some things that were maybe just on the surface kind of maybe influence his decision. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest downside when we're talking about humans doing appraisals. It is human bias. Right. Well, yeah. there's there's human bias. There's often the person doing the appraisal, they could live 45 minutes or an hour away from where you live. They might be unfamiliar with the neighborhood. And sometimes the way comps are done usually that appraiser is looking at three comps in your area and your area can vary street to street, especially where we live in town. The value of our house is completely different than one neighborhood over, but the appraiser or even like one block over or even one block over and the appraiser might not see it that way. They might say, you know what? This is, these are the comps I'm pulling and they, they might not, at least in our opinion, be accurate comps. Yeah. With the virtual or desktop appraisals, one of the ways that they're getting way better is that they're able to look at hundreds of different houses. They're not just looking at a few select homes. They're able to cast a much wider net 
when it comes to finding the value of your home. Yeah. And there's this specific company called House Canary. And I'm just fascinated kind of by what they're doing because yeah, I, I've just had this these run-ins with appraisers where first off, they're really expensive. An appraisal to do a refi can be 400 bucks, maybe more. Or Yeah. That's <laughs> that's really affordable, honestly. I think I think in a lot of areas, it's closer to a thousand even. Yeah. Yeah. It can be super expensive to get a human to appraise a home. And so it makes the cost of a refinance go up because of that. And so a, a company like House Canary who can do it for you know a fraction of the cost and, and essentially their artificial intelligence, their ability to pull 100 comps in the area to get a more precise value for your home. I just love that possibility. And I love that that's kind of coming about. And the federal government actually just recently raised the purchase price amount where you're allowed to use a desktop appraisal as opposed to a human appraisal. So we're going to see more and more of these things coming. And I love the direction it's going. It, it's not going to work in all cases and in all circumstances, but I think these things are going to be a game changer. And hopefully more than anything, they're the lower prices for us as individuals, for us trying to buy or refinance a home, it'll lower the transaction prices that we incur. Yeah. One of the benefits as well is that it happens faster, right? You're like, you're not waiting for a week to, you know, before an appraiser is able to come out. Exactly. Like it happens instantly. And sometimes they want to come in the house and then you got to like find a time that works with exactly. both of you. Yeah. yeah. And while that's great and all, like I don't care necessarily if it happens faster. I want it to be convenient and I want it to be cheap. And this is a way... Inaccurate, that, hopefully. Inaccurate as well. Well, I mean, that's one of the great things that you're talking about the AI. Like they've trained the software and programmed it to where it can recognize exterior features like lot elevation and privacy and just all these other factors. But based on good interior photos, it can see and recognize finishes as well. Like they're talking how it can recognize granite, like granite countertops. So guess what? That desktop appraisal, yeah, it totally knows that you've got a nice kitchen and they'll factor that in when it comes to putting together a value for you. But I'm with you, man. I love the fact that we're cutting costs and we're democratizing the home buying or refinancing process. Yeah, the technology is finally there. I mean, I think when you look at kind of the Zillow's estimates, they're not quite there. They're trying to get there. But it seems like this company, House Canary, and a couple other ones like it, they're pretty much there with the technology. And it works for home valuation in most cases. So I'm interested to see where this goes. We'll keep our eyes out. And if big changes happen or they become even more widely available, Matt will talk about it again on the show. That's right. All right. But let's mention the beer we're having today on this episode. We're having Blair's Breakfast Out. And this beer was crafted by Wilmington Brewing Company. Yeah, this beer was actually gifted to me at Christmas by my uncle, or specifically, I should say, my uncle-in-law. This is Kate's uncle. They live in Wilmington, and he drew my name for that extended family gift exchange. Secret Santa. Yeah, exactly. And he was wise and savvy enough to know that you can't go wrong with a nice craft beer. So I wanted to share this one with you, buddy. Awesome, man. Well, thanks. I'm looking forward to having this one on the show with you. We'll give our tasting notes at the end of the episode. Yeah. All right. But let's get to our listener questions for today, Matt. For anybody out there who's listening and they want to submit their question to potentially be featured on the show, it's really simple. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. It'll take you a minute or two at most to submit your listener question via the simple directions there. And the first one for today is about paying off a 0% credit card. Hi, Matt and Joel. My name is Chelsea and I'm from originally Virginia, but I moved to Seattle about six and a half years ago. I have a question about credit cards. I've definitely gotten myself into a little bit of trouble and I am in the process of paying them off. I definitely am a little embarrassed about how much I have accrued. Let's just say that I paid off $8,000 this summer and I basically put a 25% dent into my credit card bills. My question is, as I've moved some balance transfers around so that I'm utilizing the 0% introductory rate for you know 10 months or a year or what have you for my cards, should I be trying to pay the 0% balance down on those cards or should I be going towards the cards that have an interest rate, even though there's a deadline essentially on that 0% interest balance transfer. Love to know what you think. Love the show. Thanks so much for hearing me out. Hey, Chelsea, we are glad to hear that you are focused on paying off that debt. Paying $8,000 off last summer, that is great. So don't beat yourself up about some of those past mistakes that you've made. You are well on your way to being rid of it now by essentially paying off 25% of your debt in one season. That's amazing. Like if you are able to continue at that pace, you should be completely done with this debt within the next year. That is a really good debt pay down pace. 
And also, Chelsea had mentioned those 0% transfers. If you're listening and you don't know what those are all about, you can read about those over at the website. Head over to howtomoney.com slash balance transfer. And you can learn how those work as well as some cards that we recommend. Yeah, Matt, you did a good job writing that one up, buddy. All right, let's get to some of the specifics of Chelsea's question, though. Uh, We really would not recommend prioritizing paying on those 0% cards first. Instead, Chelsea, pay as much as you can towards the cards that are currently charging you interest, as this is going to cut the overall amount that's going towards your interest, and it'll ensure that more of your money is tackling the principal of your debt. You are taking advantage of some of those 0% balance transfer cards, which is great. That means by default, you're subscribing to the avalanche debt payoff method, not the snowball, which means you're focusing on the rates. And so while you have a 0% period on lockdown, prioritize funneling all of your money above the minimum payments towards the credit cards that are currently charging you interest. Yeah, most definitely. Continue to prioritize those interest rates above anything else. And Chelsea, part of your desire to want to knock out the debt on those 0% cards might be due to a false sense of urgency, right? It might feel like you should, since you can probably feel the clock ticking as that 0% period is winding down. But even though there isn't a time constraint on your other cards, they have something worse, which is higher interest. And so even though it feels like you might have forever to pay on those balances, in reality, you really want to focus on those because of those increased payments that are going towards interest. But the thing is, if you do run out of time, you can still try and transfer the balance again to another 0% card to buy yourself even more time. It's also probably a great idea to make sure you're aware of what the regular rates are going to be on the 0% cards. That way, if you do run out of time and and that introductory window does close, and you're not able to open a new card, you'll at least be a little more familiar of the APR that you will be paying. That might honestly kind of light a fire under you to make sure that you knock out that debt within that limited window. Yeah, Matt, one of the things that helps people when they're attempting to do a balance transfer is having a high credit score. So hopefully Chelsea is maintaining a high credit score able to, and she's able to transfer that balance over to another card that offers 0% for an introductory window somewhere between probably 12 and 21 months. Uh, and with her ability to pay down this debt rather quickly from what it seems. I mean, I know she seemed a little down on herself, but I think she can do it yeah, uh, quickly and pay very little interest in the process. But I think it's another important thing to mention for Chelsea and for other listeners who are in this position. Once you've paid off all that credit card debt, it's really, really important to resolve to not get into that position again. Focus on building up your emergency fund and try to mend your spending habits. If that's proving to be difficult and you're having a hard time curbing your behavior, remember remember that it's good for your credit score if you don't close the accounts, but there's one step you can take to actually make it harder for you to spend. And that's kind of this old antiquated way, Matt, of literally throwing your credit card in a Ziploc bag full of water and tossing it in your freezer. Yeah, this isn't a credit freeze. This is a credit card freeze. Yeah, very different, very <laughs> different, but super necessary if you have a hard time not spending when you've got that credit card in your wallet or your purse, right? Yeah, essentially, you're setting up a guardrail. You're creating a process that essentially keeps you from spending the money that you don't want to spend. I know for us, we've never actually put cards in the freezer before, but there have been credit cards that we didn't want to spend on. And so in that case, we just cut the cards up, right? Like the account still exists, but we don't have the plastic in our wallet. I'm not tempted to spend on it while I'm out. But then once a year, I have a reminder on my calendar to spend some money on that card just to make sure it stays active. That way, the the issuer doesn't close that account. In this case, I'm a little more methodical. But if you want to have these additional lines of credit open so that it positively affects your credit score, sometimes there are steps you need to take. And for us, this is something that has definitely worked for us. Yeah, Matt. Chelsea's well on her way. I think she's got this debt handled in, in short order. And those balance transfer cards, they're just a good part of that arsenal in kind of paying down your debt even more quickly by paying less interest on it. All right. But we got a couple more questions, including one about inheriting a 401k. And we'll get to those right after the break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. 
So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Joe, we're back from the break. And let's hear from a listener who, he and his wife, man, they are doing some amazing things with their money. Hey, Joel and Matt. My name is Joe from Minnesota, and I first wanted to thank you for creating such a fun and relatable financial podcast. While I'm recording this listener question, it felt only fitting that I enjoy craft beer here myself. I have a couple questions, but first, some context. My wife and I recently finished paying off our mountain of student loan debt and are in the midst of house hacking after buying a duplex late last year. In our scenario, we live in one unit and rent out the other. To date, we have set aside all of our rent to build up our emergency fund. We feel fairly comfortable with the amount we have set aside, but we aren't sure how much we really need. We have set aside enough to cover any single major fix, such as if the heat goes out or we need a new roof. Because we are house hacking and have a responsibility to our tenant, how much more should we be setting aside to account for emergencies that may affect both us and our tenant? Do we put enough in our emergency fund to cover two major fixes or three? Is there some magic number we need to save to, or is it simply all about mitigating whatever level of risk we're willing to take on? Thank you guys and keep up the great work. And I hope you enjoy the beer I sent you. Cheers. Joe, man, thanks so much. And by the way, we loved the beer. That was the uh, King Sue that you sent along. And we found out from you as well as from a ton of other listeners. <laughs> you idiot. How do you not know? <laughs> I did not know what King Sue, well, Sue, King Sue is, I guess, the name of the beer. But Sue is the name of the, the biggest, I think, or the largest Tyrannosaurus Rex specimen 
ever found. It's like the most complete set of bones from a single Tyrannosaurus Rex, which is pretty cool. And it's only 67 million years old, I found out. So pretty young. Yeah, pretty young. (laughs) But yeah, it's super cool that that I I had no idea, but really cool to see. I saw a picture of it. I was like, this thing looks incredible. Yeah, pretty dope. We got to make a trip to Chicago, man, and check that out. It looks awesome. Check out those T-Rex bones. Yeah. Uh, Were you ever into dinosaurs as a kid? You know, I feel like a lot of times kids go through like a, a massive dinosaur phase. Sure. I don't think I had a massive one, but just like every other kid, I was into them for a little bit there. I was really into like buildings, like connects and constructs or constructs. I don't even know how you say it. It was a, it was like this building tool from, from the eighties. It was different than like Legos because like they had like beams, but then also like pieces that attached. It was, w- it was way more like construction. Oh yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. They're I like these had gray that. little connectors and then like the, the in, in between pieces were blue. I was rolling with Lincoln Logs, man. Uh, Lincoln Logs are fun. Yeah, they were cool. <laughs> Not quite as advanced. <laughs> well, because constructs and connects, man. I, I used to spend hours doing that and not playing with dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, all right. Teach their own. But big props to, to Joe, by the way. Awesome job paying off your student loans and oh my your, gosh. your house hacking. I mean, he's crushing it. Yeah. What an amazing place to be in. I mean, this early in your marriage. And I assume you're not, you know, in your 50s and 60s. It sounds like you guys, you know, just got married. It sounds like y'all just got the house. It sounds like you're pretty early on your financial path. But what a way to start, man, it's especially house hacking to be able to reduce their expenses that's going towards their own housing by a significant amount. They may not even be spending any money towards their housing, dude. Yeah, that's what house hacking can do. It's amazing. That's why we love it. But I think Joe brings up a really good point here, Matt. It's not something we've talked about very much. You know, we advocate for folks having roughly a $2,500 basic emergency fund. That's a good start for most folks. It's a good it's a good number to aim for if you don't have much money in your bank account right now. And having a total of three months of savings in the bank, well, that's killer if you're able to achieve that. But there are some circumstances where you'll want even more money on hand. If you're a landlord with aging properties, for instance, or have a tenuous job position. Or maybe if you have like some special health issues. Yeah, you want more cash on hand to deal with the things that pop up in those cases. But you can't really plan for everything, right? And that's where insurance comes in. And so being properly insured is crucial, especially as a landlord. And that insurance is something that you really only want to use in catastrophic scenarios. Like we're not fans of actually using the insurance you have, just having the insurance until it's actually needed. But you really do need to have the money on hand to cover a potential deductible. And you also want to have the money on hand to fix the things that pop up in your unit or your tenant's unit. And that's best done with money that is in a savings account. And not just any old savings account, Joel, a high interest savings account. Well, of course. And Joe, it's helpful too to take your specific property into account, right? You can ask yourself, is the roof old? Well, if not, you probably don't need to set aside, you know, $7,000 to replace it yet. Even though you can't predict the future, knowing the age of your systems and different appliances, that can help you assess your savings needs. Obviously, newer systems means there's probably a less likelihood of them breaking down. But creating a fund that you can contribute to monthly that will help you to have the cash on hand for when those systems do need repairs or when they do need to be replaced. With you guys banking all the rent from your tenant next door, I don't think it's going to take very long for you guys to quickly arrive at a dollar amount that you do feel comfortable with. And one thing I did want to mention as well, Joe, is that let's assume you go down the path of real estate and maybe you do acquire more properties. I think it's helpful if you set aside an emergency fund for each specific property. Because let's assume maybe you have three properties down the road. You might have a single pot of money and it could seem like a lot of money. But let's say in one year, you replace three roofs. Well, that could be $20,000 right there and your emergency fund is completely wiped out. And so having you know some separate emergency fund accounts within your high interest savings can allow you to kind of stay more organized and on top of things. Yeah. And I think one helpful kind of rule of thumb that it's not always spot on, but it can be helpful is estimate that you're going to spend roughly 1% of the purchase price of your home every year in repair costs. So if your home costs 200,000, you'll likely spend roughly $2,000 annually in repair costs on that home. Yeah, it might be $0 this year and next year, but in three years, you might be dropping six grand. Yeah, it just completely depends. But that's a, a nice rule of thumb in most cases. If I were you, Joe, I'd also consider opening up a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. It's really the perfect fit for you because you might need quick access to money, but it stinks to have a heap of unnecessary cash around that you could be funneling towards more investments. The HELOC can kind of split the difference for you and you won't pay interest unless you actually draw down on it. I like these as kind of a secondary reserve e-fund that you try not to tap, but it's better to be safe than sorry. It's important that you have 
enough cash on hand to easily cover likely maintenance needs. But a HELOC is kind of this awesome backup that provides some peace of mind in the unlikely case that let's say a hot water heater and a furnace and a roof are all just needing to be replaced in short order. That's when the HELOC kicks in and it's really nice to have. Yeah, that's a really crappy winter, right? <laughs> that's a bad year. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'll add to that, Joel. One of the reasons they're so great is because typically there is very little cost or no cost at all to set these up with banks. And so they're really attractive from that standpoint. But do remember that when you do use that money, you are paying interest on it. So it's not like it's completely free money. So a lot of this kind of depends on how comfortable you are with that. I know Joel, Kate and I, for pretty much our entire marriage, we've always had pretty much three months worth of living expenses set aside. But when we renovated our home, we dipped into that a little bit or a lot. <laughs> and that put us in a position where we didn't have much of an emergency fund. And dude, I did not like that at all. Like it, it was interesting how it made me feel. I just felt vulnerable. I mean, I don't have a very stable job. <laughs> Maybe it would be different if I had a regular paycheck coming in all the time. But I realized that part of the reason we built that up was to account for some of that risk that we experience on the income side of things. And so, yeah, that's something I learned about myself 12 years into our marriage, which is crazy. So know that it does come down a lot of times to you as an individual. For us, we're building back up to that three months now for sure. And with our apartment now, we're actually going to maybe go a little over that three months because I guess essentially, like we do kind of have a duplex. The apartment's pretty small, so it's kind of like a very lopsided duplex. But <laughs> but there are some expenses that are going to be associated with just the apartment that we need to make sure that we account for. Yeah. And so much of it is a level of comfortability, your own personal comfort level with where your e-fund stands. And yeah, that's why I think you want to have on hand enough to cover most reasonable fixes you can expect to incur right over the next year. And if you're particularly risk averse, you want even more than that. But then the HELOC can be that perfect balancing act that you hope you never have to tap. All right, Matt, let's get into our next question. And it's about inheriting a 401k. Hi, guys. My name is Cassandra and I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. My father recently passed away and left me a 401k. And I'm wondering what the best way to go about handling that is. I'm in my 20s, so would like advice on any tax implications, that sort of thing. Thank you. Hey, Cassandra, we are so sorry for the loss of your dad. And you are now trying to figure out what to do with a 401k. Um, what to do with it is one question. And then the tax implications, that's a, another question as well. And so let's go ahead and discuss the latter first. Let's talk about taxes. When you inherit a 401k, uh, you are going to roll that money over into an IRA uh, upon actual inheritance. And you used to be able to draw down on that inherited IRA over your entire life. But the new SECURE Act, that forces you to actually liquidate all of your inheritance within 10 years. So the clock's ticking. Uh, because of that, you'll want to consider specifically what your current and what your potential future income over the next 10 years is going to be. When you choose to take distributions is going to impact your income when you file taxes. So for example, if you know that the you know, next year or two, your income is going to be much lower, it might make sense to take out an increased distribution that year. You know what? Like if you're taking a gap year or something like that and you basically have zero income, it might make sense to withdraw all of that money in that period if you know that after those couple of years, you're going to launch into your professional career. Yeah. So much of it depends on the amount of the inheritance and kind of yeah, what your pay structure is over the coming decade. Uh, and then what should you do with that money? Well, that's definitely another element of the equation. And first, well, make sure you have your inherited IRA with a low cost provider so that you're not being eaten up with fees. You definitely don't want your money to be slowly eaten away by the expensive fees that a lot of investment companies charge. You might already have a traditional or a Roth IRA, but this inherited one is going to be separate. And one way that it's different is that you can't contribute any more money to it. And what you do with this inheritance really has so much to do with your own specific goals. So I'd take some time. Think through like what you actually want to achieve in the coming years. Are you saving for a house? Well, depending on the amount, this could help you with that down payment. Are you hoping to start your own business? Well, you might not need to go into debt to fund it. Generally speaking, we would first recommend that you pay off any outstanding debts that you have, especially higher interest rate debts like credit card debts with an inheritance like this, and then start to invest before you start looking at these bigger picture goals. But it's helpful to kind of put your whole financial situation under a microscope so that you can see what priorities exist, what the biggest priorities are in your specific financial situation. 
And then Cassandra, assuming that maybe you are going to be taking that money out of those accounts within the next few years, well, it doesn't make sense to invest that money at all. We recently had an episode where we talked about saving versus investing. And if you're looking to take that money out in maybe three to five years, essentially, you just want to protect that money. And the best way you can do that is by keeping it as cash within that inherited IRA. But if you know that it's going to be maybe seven to 10 years, like if you're thinking it'll be closer to a decade before you're going to draw on that money, it might make sense to put that money into a conservative fund. I think like a target retirement fund of 2030 could be a great spot for you to definitely to, to grow that amount a little bit. But at the same time, you're not subjecting yourself to you know, the, the dramatic ups and downs of the market if that money was going to be invested over the course of the next you know, 30 years or something like that. Yeah, Matt, for sure. That, that timeline is, is so crucial to where you put the money inside of that inherited IRA. Having it 100% in stocks when you need it in the next five years is not a good idea. And also, we recommend too, Cassandra, that when you come into a large chunk of money, an inheritance, a big bonus, or a sale of some of your investments, that you, you take a small portion, maybe 5 or 10%, and spend it in a way that you normally wouldn't. Have fun with it. Think about the rest as kind of that jumpstart towards achieving those bigger life and investing goals that you may have. But a small portion... And especially, I think, in the aftermath of, of losing someone that you love, using a portion of that money in a way that is kind of adventurous and fun, I think can also provide some helpful closure at the same time. Yeah, Joel, that's great advice, man. And Cassandra, it sounds like you, you're asking all the right questions. And so it sounds like you're going to do some amazing stuff with that money. It sounds like you're going to honor your dad well. So if we're talking about a small amount of money, this is probably something you can do on your own. But if you feel pretty intimidated by this entire process, because this is a really large amount of money and you don't feel comfortable with it, then we would most definitely encourage you to, to check with a tax professional. That way you fully understand all of the tax implications, that you understand the 10-year deadline, and that you're fully aware of all of the different ways that you could handle this money. All right, Joe, we've got a couple more questions. We've got one about life insurance, and we also have one about living a life without a credit score. We'll get to those right after the break. probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wise friend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. 
and you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, Matt, we're back from the break. We got two more questions. First one about life insurance. Hey, guys, this is Josh from Illinois. I have a question about whole life insurance. The way it was pitched to me was that it's a backup to your Roth or 401k. So if the market is in a down year, you can borrow against the insurance instead of taking money out of your retirement, which would slow the growth potential in upcoming years. And since the insurance is also market-based, the interest from the amount invested in the policy helps to pay back the loan. It seems like a good idea to me, or is there just better ways to do life insurance and protect your retirement in the future? Thanks for your time. All right, Josh, great question. And you know what? There's a key phrase in what you said that really helped me kind of understand what you're, what's happening here. You I'm, said, I'm wondering what you're about to say, Joel. He said, <laughs> when it was pitched to me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and whole life insurance sounds nice in the pitch, but it's almost never the best idea for people. The real reason for getting life insurance is replacement of income. But in that pitch, that's something that rarely gets mentioned. You really only have a need for whole life insurance if you are a high income earner who has fully maxed out tax efficient retirement and savings accounts. It also might potentially be beneficial if you have a child with special needs, but whole life insurance is just not a product best suited for most people. Yeah, Joel. And so often whole life insurance plans, that they are sold as a way for you to protect your retirement, almost as a, as a backup, right? Just like Josh said. Well, the best way that you can actually protect your retirement and your investments is to invest more over time, not spend more on an insurance policy. That Roth that you mentioned, that'll give you some access to your money if you need it in hard times. And another way that you can protect your retirement is to reallocate your funds over time as you get closer to being in the wealth preservation stage of your life. Yeah. And there are better ways to do retirement, like you just mentioned, Matt, but there are also better ways to do insurance. So the best way to do life insurance is to buy a term life insurance policy. Whole life insurance typically costs six to 10 times more than a term policy. Every month, your premium, your cost for having that policy is so much more with a whole life policy than it is with the term. And the person you're talking to, well, they likely stand to make more in commissions by selling you a whole life policy instead. A term policy makes an insurance salesman almost no money. And it's why the pitch tends to sound pretty good. Also, we're not fans of combining insurance vehicles with investment vehicles. It it tends to drive up costs and fees, and it decreases transparency. It also inhibits returns in the long run. So you can protect your retirement by investing more of your money in tax-advantaged retirement accounts. And then you can better protect your loved ones by having a great term life policy uh, that you buy at a site like, let's say, Policy Genius. And that site does a great job shopping the market, giving you the lowest potential insurance costs, as opposed to listening to an individual insurance salesman and hoping that they have your best interest at heart. 
All right, Joel. Our next question is from a listener who will be graduating from college later this year. Let's hear it. Hello, Joel and Matt. My name is Austin Smith, and I live outside of Nashville in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I have been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now and enjoy it every afternoon. I turned 21 on Monday, and I know you guys enjoy a good beer, so my first question is what is your favorite beer that I can buy either at a brewery around the Nashville area or at any of your local grocery stores? I want to start my drinking life with a good alcoholic drink that I will enjoy, and it's something much better than Budweiser. I drink coffee and prefer it black, but every once in a while, I add a little cream and sugar in there. I have started my working career life and am currently working full-time while also in school. I will graduate from MTSU in December, debt-free. Because I have no debt, I also have no credit score. My fiancé has a great score in the 700s, so when we plan to buy a house, will you plan on putting her name down as a primary? Besides beer, my main question is what is the downfall in living life without a credit score in a world where a credit score is very important while also living the how-to money lifestyle? All right, Matt, first things first on Austin's question. Happy birthday to Austin. Yeah. Let's talk about his, his beer needs before we address, you know, the, the credit score thing. And he lives in Murfreesboro. My wife, by the way, also graduated from MTSU where he's soon to graduate from. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. So Austin and I, we could be buds. Why did I think she was in, at LSU for some reason? Well, she did. She was there for work for a while. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Uh, but she actually graduated from Middle Tennessee. Blue Raiders, baby. Sweet. Right? Blue Raiders, I think. I just know that they're really big in the music industry. Like if you want to uh, be a music producer you basically go to school there yeah i actually someone i work with radio producer he he went there too they supposedly have a good education in radio as well i wonder what their podcasting program looks like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh probably getting there getting there all right so let's uh, mention some of our favorite nashville ish beers because murfreesboro is outside of nashville austin bearded iris and southern grist are some of our favorite nashville area breweries we've had great stuff from both of those breweries on the show before so definitely try to get your hands on them for your birthday beer and matt it's funny austin kind of mentioned how he likes to take his coffee yeah well i'm sure that sounded completely random to our listeners right yeah but but, what was that all about but (laughs) when you know kind of how you take your coffee it it actually kind of helps point you in the direction of what kind of beers and wines that you like right yeah well that's totally true and i'm sure it probably caught listeners off guard austin actually asked about the beer and we got back to him real quick asking how he did like his coffee uh and he shared that with all of our listeners yeah (laughs) now we know how Austin likes his coffee and so but but what sort of recommendations uh, would you have for Austin based on the way he drinks his coffee are there specific beer styles he might like more than others yeah well I first want to mention too that I didn't come up with this on my own I actually learned this from the owner of a local craft beer store yeah let's give him some street cred uh, Craig over at Hop City great beer store in Atlanta yeah they've got some fantastic selections and he knows how to help people uh, find their favorite beers yeah. find, find the beers that uh, suit their palate the best yeah he actually did this exercise on me maybe one of the very first times I ever went into the store and so Austin you, you mentioned how you like your coffee black Well, that tells me that you can handle beers uh, that have a little more bitterness. Specifically, you might be able to handle some West Coast IPAs uh, because they tend to be a little more bitter. But if you're a listener out there and you don't like your coffee black and instead maybe let's say you like tons of milk and tons of sugar in your coffee. Well, not only are you going to want a beer with maybe some more sweetness, but some more body as well. So I'm thinking of like a big old barrel aged stout or even a nice balanced brown ale. Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting, Matt. I think so many people listen to the show and they're not into craft beer. And that's totally cool. We're welcoming. I mean, we think you're wrong, but we're welcoming. We love to have you here. <laughs> and and so, yeah, I think if you are trying to figure out maybe what you want to get into, if you're a wine aficionado, you might want to try a sour. Ooh, get some of that fruit. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, there's all sorts of ways that you can judge based on your palate what sort of beer you might be into. All right, but let's get to <laughs> Austin's main question. And that is about living life without a, a credit score. And I feel like, by the way, because he lives outside of Nashville, he's in Dave Ramsey country and being debt free is a high priority there. Dave calls a credit score and I love debt score. But really, Matt, we disagree with that. We, we think it, that a credit score has much further reaching implications than just being able to like accrue some more debt. It affects our finances in so many other ways that we're not fans of living life without a credit score. Yeah, one of those ways is your insurance rates. They're going to be affected by your credit score. In most states, insurance companies are allowed to set your insurance premium based at least partially on your credit score. You might be able to save hundreds of dollars every year by having a good credit score instead of a poor or even a non-existent credit score. Also, your credit will likely be checked when you're applying for an apartment. You could easily freak out the potential landlord and lose that apartment due to not having a credit score at or at a bare minimum they might require you to pay a higher security deposit 
Yeah. And let's say Austin applied to live at, you know, one of my rental properties and I ran his credit and I saw that he didn't have a credit score. I would be freaked out. Yeah, there's a red flag that <laughs> I would be like, up there. It's like, what? Who, who is this guy? <laughs> and then Austin being the, the cool, affable chap that he is, he would probably try to explain to me, you know, how he's living life without a credit score and, and how good he is with money. And me being a semi understanding human being, I would, I would probably potentially consider Austin to live in my place. Yeah. But most landlords and most co- corporately owned apartment complexes, they're not going to be nearly as understanding. And so a credit score is really important in those cases. Also, Austin, when we're talking about getting a loan, you mentioned how you could buy a house and potentially purchase it in your wife's name. But this workaround could lead to other issues. Assuming you'd want to count both of your incomes when applying for the mortgage, well, the lender will look to the lowest of your two scores, and that could be a major hindrance to you buying a house. A low or non-existent score could keep you guys from getting the best mortgage rate or, or potentially from even qualifying at all. And one other potential downside of living life without a credit score is if you're applying for a job, specifically some government jobs will reject you completely if you don't have a credit score or if you have a really low credit score. So credit scores really are so much more than a I love debt score. They just have a high importance kind of in the modern economy uh, for us as individuals. Yeah, the, the credit score tentacles work their way into lots of areas of our life. Yeah, they do. And Joel, while we're talking about credit score, let's talk about this new credit score uh, model that's been unveiled. The company that develops the FICO score, they are changing things up. Personal loans, they have always been a poor borrowing choice, but they're going to affect you even more negatively in the future. In Austin, he sounds like the kind of guy who's not going to take out a personal loan, but it's still important to know. Yeah. Yes, those personal loans will affect you negatively, even though I don't think Austin will go that route. But late payments that have happened in the past two years, those are also going to negatively affect you more. Even though this is all good to know, keep in mind that we have a plethora of different credit scores that are being created by the different credit bureaus and different companies out there. So don't fret over changes to one specific score, especially since it takes a while for companies to transition to using the new scoring models. The general principles of maintaining a solid, healthy credit score, they're going to remain the same. Yeah, Matt, I feel like your quick analogy earlier on was was the best way of thinking about a credit score. It's, it's like an octopus that has these tentacles that seem to kind of drift into all these areas of, of the way that we of the way that we currently live life in this country and for, for better or for worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And having a good credit score is a near essential part of modern human life. And, and I think it's OK for us to recognize that it's a silly game that we have to play. But it's one I think we would be silly to not take part in. And so, Austin, I hope that helps. I think building up a solid credit score is going to be beneficial to you for decades to come. Uh, So I wouldn't ditch it altogether. Uh, Know that it's an important part of modern life. And it stinks that it is. It's kind of a a weird game that we have to play, but it's one that we should be playing. Yeah, Joel. We live in a mad world. Cue the music. Oh, wait. we, We don't have licensing for that. Nor do we actually have a producer. It's just just you and me. (laughs) But if we did have a producer, they would be saying, wrap it up. Let's take it back to the beer. Yes, they would. I will go ahead and say that, man. Let's take it back to the beer that we had this episode, which was a Blair's Breakfast Stout. And I will say, based on our tasting notes earlier, or our coffee tasting notes, if you like a nice standard coffee with a normal amount of sugar, normal amount of cream, I think you would be really into Breakfast Stouts. Joel, what were your thoughts on this beer? Well, you said normal amount of cream, normal amount of sugar. I don't know what that is. Like, what is, is that like? <laughs> like a teaspoon. Okay. All right. That's what I do at least. Like in my little mug of coffee at home, I just get, just take a spoon, just, just a leveled off small spoon of sugar. And for me, it's just a little splash of whole milk. Okay. I'm whole milk, but no sugar okay. uh, over here. A little creamy, but you like it a touch, a touch dry. Yeah. So, all right. So this beer in particular, man, I love when cold brew season uh, comes around when it comes to coffee. Yeah, we're getting really close to that. Yeah. So, you know, late spring, uh, I'm into that. And this really tasted to me like a delicious beer version of a great cold brew. It had those roasty coffee tones and kind of a nice subtle sweetness to go along with it. So I really like the mixture. Breakfast outs that are well done are really, really good. And man, this was a really, really good breakfast out. So it makes me excited about late spring rolling around where I can fire up the cold brew. 
Except that you don't actually use fire to make cold brew because that's like the whole point. <laughs> it's super smooth. No fire, no heat. Way to make me look like an idiot. No, and no bitterness from the oils from the coffee, right? Like, isn't, right. That, isn't that how it gets so smooth when you do cold brew? I think so. I'm not really good at science. I'm not a professional, but those are my thoughts on that. Well, what I liked about this beer, man, were the darker chocolate flavors that you got from those cocoa nibs. Like they really came through. And then as the beer warmed up, I felt like it almost had this wet earthiness that was sort of mixed in with those roasted coffee flavors. It felt like a really grounded beer. I felt like I was one with the earth as I drank this. And you could you know, definitely taste some of those, those coffee notes in it as well, which got me thinking too, do you know if there's actually any caffeine in breakfast outs or any beer that includes coffee? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know either. I would think a small trace amount, but I have no idea. Yeah, well, maybe sort of like our Tyrannosaurus Rex faux pas that we did with King Sue. If you're a listener and you know the answer to that question, hit us up because I actually don't know if there is caffeine in breakfast stouts and I'd like to know. Well, you're going to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will hear about it. And I that's why I love our listeners, man. They always let us know when we say something stupid or <laughs> we have no idea about something. They send off the emails, man. They start commenting in the Facebook group. So yeah, it's great to have people watching our back. All right, Matt, that's going to be it for this episode. And for anybody out there listening who wants the show notes for this episode or wants to see you know, the recent articles we've posted, make sure to check out our website, howtomoney.com. And you can do us a huge favor by heading over to Apple Podcasts where you can rate and review us. And you're not only doing a, a massive favor for us, but that's a favor for all the listeners out there who have not yet found our podcast. All humankind. Exactly. So uh, we really appreciate that. Yep. Joel, that's going to be it for this episode, man. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.